0: Kronos, Luna. Kronos. And it's spelled with a Q. I don't make this up. It's anyway. Sorry. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious host, Jonathan Weekend. And I was just talking to my podcast assistant, Luna. We're talking about Kronos because today is the Klingon Part 2 episode. Finally, diving back into Klingon lore and history. We kind of went away from it a little bit. We had some fun bringing on some guests and then. I'm uh, doing lower decks reviews, but now we're getting back to the Klingons, getting back to Worf, and doing what we do best on this show: bringing you the f- best news and the top, top content. <laughs> anyway, um, welcome to the podcast, guys. I happy to be back again. Um, it's almost Halloween, so I'm excited, and yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped to announce we're going to do like a spooky episode right before Halloween, talking about the top ten horror episodes of Star Trek. And there are a lot, surprisingly, a lot of Voyagers on that list. So I'm already starting to do research and show prep for that. So um, it's really fun and really enjoyable. Today, I'm joined by my friend Fuente Gran Reserva Havana Edition. Um, It's a nice little um, cigar, nothing heavy or bold, but it's just a nice, smooth flavor. And um, if you're not in the cigars, you just a waste of 30 seconds of your life. Yeah, so I'm going to touch into a little bit of news today, um, just because everyone just needs to put on some seatbelts before we get into the Klingon episode, and that I am, of course, talking about the man of the hour, Avery Brooks. Yes, there's been a huge rumor that Avery Brooks is going to come back as as ben, Benjamin Sisko from DS9, and he's probably going to do maybe a Picard appearance, or he's going to it's just I don't I'm just I hate to be the bearer of bad news but I have zero confidence in this rumor um and everyone's like well they were this uh news agency or this blog is the same one that reported this or this or this and it's 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 valid and I'm like look bro it's okay this is why he denied Avery Brooks denied being in the DS9 documentary what well, we left behind he's continually denied going to annual conventions he's even i think he's rumored because i looked this up Rumored to have left rutgers he's not teaching there anymore and there's to me probably a few years ago i was watching this clip of free which star trek convention it was but it had the, the captain's round table had all the captains and you hear this moment between shatner and brooks and shatner's like look bro you gotta say something people came here to hear you talk And it's just like, I don't believe that he would be willing after all of these years to go back into it again. However, if it's a very large paycheck, maybe. (laughs) I personally would love to see him back. He's my favorite um, captain. But I, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying it until I actually see him and it's confirmed and it's like, yeah, this is what we're doing. I just, I have no confidence in it at all. And I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade, but that's just, I want to give you the most accurate news I can. So beside getting everybody worked up, that's the truth behind the matter. So I hope I'm wrong in this case. I I pray I'm wrong (laughs) anyway. um, Today, yeah, we're covering Klingons. Now this will be a little bit more um, kind of a funner episode than the first one. We're not really dealing with creation and lore and and Kalos. We're really dealing with everyday Klingon society structure and even a little bit of the mating rituals. (laughs) So bring your helmet for that segment. So with that being said, let's get into Klingon part two. Okay, I mentioned this prior, and I'm going to reiterate it again, just in case you guys didn't understand or didn't get it. But Klingon society is hella complex, y'all. It is not a cookie-cutter race. It's not a cookie-cutter societal organization. It's very different. And I don't know how to explain this anyway. Then it's kind of progressive, but also kind of backwater all at the same time. So depending on which episode of Star Trek you watch, um, most of the information we get come from the next generation. And then, of course, with DS9, with Worf going on there, Worf is kind of like our our tour guide through the Klingon world, and so is Judzia Dax. One thing it's so funny is because on DS9, they'll be like, Worf is Klingon's women are part of the family, and we listen to them, and they're a great addition. And then sometimes they're like, no, this is a woman, don't listen to her. And then they're like, oh, we're not racist at all. And then on another episode, they're like, yeah, we don't trust them because they're Romulans. And we don't like Romulans because Romulans are jerks. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so they're, they're kind of playing back and forth. It's, it's kind of a complex societal area. And that, that's okay. That's not going to be cookie cutter like the Federation on Earth is right now where everybody's kumbaya, lovey-dovey, which is great. And that's the hope. And that's what we all want. But I think Klingon societies, is getting there, y'all. It's getting there. And they even mentioned that before. I think in DS9, it's kind of like there really is no Klingon scientist or really is no Klingon professions other than like politics and war and military service. So there's there needs to be an expansion in those other arts, but they're just not valued at all. And it's almost an embarrassment to your house if you go into one of those areas. Now, speaking of house. So before the Klingon Empire's decline in the mid 22nd century and again, in the late 23rd century, Klingon society was it was really based on a, a feudal system organized by these traditional great houses. Now, I'm sure everyone already knows that if you're familiar with Trek in some way, but if you're not, that's they kind of have these dozen houses that kind of rule everything. They have all these lands and they have all of this um, manufacturing or, or war, so they, they always have the ties to production and ties to money in their feudal system. Now, don't worry. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole about economics of the Klingon Empire. Dear gosh, never thought I would say that sentence. But um, we're not going to go down there. It's just kind of setting it up because the house and the honor of your house is so critical to each individual Klingon's life. And we see that throughout all of Worf's story arc. is the House of Moog. And then when he's brought into General Martok's house as an honorary member and i've always wondered if it's like so moog was Worf's dad so for alexander is it the house of warf <laughs> um i'm just I, I think it'd be funny if your dad i would name my son like rock so be like it's the house of rock sorry <laughs> dad joke anyway so they these houses are usually represented on the klingon high council and the klingon high council hears all of the disputes and they make the law they're basically like the supreme court of the United States in Klingon, but they're kind of the end-all-be-all of all political spectrum. And then there's a high chancellor who kind of rules the council and controls the council, but the houses make up the council. Now they haven't always been this Klingon Council way. So there was a decline in Klingon culture, and it was demonstrated by the Klingons themselves. They like really stopped caring about their weapons. And they even stopped caring about their honor. And um, this is an Enterprise episode, Marauders and Judgment. And I think they're off the top of my head. They even let their weapons like rust over because they just didn't care and didn't take care of them, didn't fight with them. And then sometime after the Augment virus ripped through the Klingon Empire, a new regime kind of took control and then turned the empire back into this authoritarian state and that's we see that in discovery. So it turns into kind of this authoritarian nature and then later on into the 23rd and 24th centuries it returns to this klingon council again. So it hasn't always been council forever. They've kind of had a little rocky road and if you're familiar with discovery season 1, they kind of show that a lot with Lorel and kind of her rise to fame as a woman high chancellor. So that's fun. <laughs> and we'll talk about women shortly. And their role in Klingon society, but now that we have this power structure in place, let's move on to the day-to-day life. Now, it's not just wake up and kill and go back to bed. It's not—I don't think it's a Spartanian. Is that a real word, Luna? Okay, I don't know. I don't know if it's a Spartan way of life, but males traditionally have dominated life in the Empire. Um, they assume these leadership roles in politics and in the military and of course if you've watched any movies or any type of episodes you would get that assumption that they are this male the patriarchy of klingon culture and there are some notable exceptions though like i mentioned laurel um she rose to the high chancellor and served on the council and then again in 2293 i'm gonna butcher this as burr as bitter <laughs> became Chancellor of the High Counselor after her father, Gorkin, was assassinated. And that, of course, happens in Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country. So there are women in prominent, and they they can move up, but it, it's not a common thing, sadly. Speaking of women, and this is a good kind of another transition, so if males dominated these leadership roles and things outside of the house, then women traditionally dominated the household. And the management of the family's affair, we see that in DS9 when Quark goes and kind of has to fight with this Klingon lady to kind of make sure she gets the titles and in the, in the head of the house because all the male heirs have died. So they were treated like equals, but just really not in politics or in matters of inheritance. Now, just on a personal note, seeing my wife, she's a stay-at-home mother, seeing my wife run the house and... and, and raise and and do everything with our son that is an incredibly incredibly difficult job oh my gosh (laughs) I feel like I'm lazy because I work from home so I sit behind a desk and I and I do my number crunching my accounting stuff my spreadsheets and it's just like I don't I she has the patience of a saint I just don't know so shout out to all the to the to the moms and the working moms and stay-at-home moms that do that because that is a Incredibly difficult job that you can't clock out at at five o'clock. So, um, props to y'all because that is whew, that's tough. And I guess the Klingon women as well because they they got to do that too, raise the little warriors. <laughs> so moving back into Klingon women, <laughs> so the law actually prevented them from serving the High Council, and then they couldn't take they couldn't take control of their houses unless they had the money and the male successors were all gone in their lineage. So you had to bribe people, of course, and and people outside the United States, that's a very common thing, is, is bribery and, and it's for government officials. It's not, not saying it's good, I'm not saying it's bad, it's just that's how the rest of the world works outside of the United States. So that's definitely continued in the Klingon culture as well. The funny thing is, is like Klingon women were not viewed as these dainty things. They were viewed as, they were expected to have the same Physical prowess and lust for blood and battle as the men. So, I mean, there is some equality there. They have, everyone has the same standards to live by and the same goal. So, there is something there. One of the bedrocks of the family in Klingon culture, of course, and you know this, is the importance of tradition and honor. Like, we know all the memes with Gowron and glory to you and your house. <laughs> A terrible Gowron impression, but they, they, they function through that system of family reputation and honor. And that is one thing that you have to have to be any type of successful Klingon on Kronos. It's an integral part of their life. And that, I mean, if you break from that in any way, shape or form in any observance, it's considered this massive grievous insult to society. And it's not forgotten quickly or easily or even at all and i mean it's they have this idea that the sins of the father has to be paid for the son and for generations as well so if you if you like really mess up (laughs) and you like really screw the pooch or you do betrayal or anything like that you're messing up a whole lineage for all of your people to come so it's kind of a that's difficult and i don't know if they do that to kind of force that house to die. Because if you were a prominent Klingon family and you had a, a physical prowess Klingon woman, you wouldn't want her to marry this disgraced house. So maybe that's how they do it. It's kind of like Darwin's evolution to another societal level. It's like, well, no, you're going, you're just gonna go away. Hopefully we can force you to go away. And uh, maybe that's why they do that. I don't know. I'm these are my late night <laughs> scribblings here on my notes and expanding the mind on Klingon society. Well, if we're in the we're in the thick of it now, folks. One of the highest, speaking of like being insulted and kind of taken away, one of the highest shames you could get was discommodation. And that action by the High Council officially stripped a Klingon of all personal glory and all honor and, and their whole family of it. We see that in Tangy with Worf and the Doros family, framed Moog to betraying the people, at the outpost and, and the Romulans kind of came and killed everybody. And, and they try to dishonor Worf, but he can't say anything because it'll bring down the fair council itself. So he takes one for the team and they all do this thing where they cross their arms, will condescend and then turn their back on them. And it's kind of, you're just shame. Like they can't, even when Klingons come on the enterprise, Worf has to be like, I can't be around them. And Picard does a great line. Like, no, you're, you're an officer on my ship. And we will treat; they will treat you with honor and respect. <laughs> well, my impressions are just on point today, isn't it, folks? So they they have this kind of risk reward system. So if you risk it and do great things in the military, you'll your honor will live long through lineage. But at the same time, on the other side of the coin, if you jack up, you're, you're going to be screwed <laughs> for a long time. But moving on, besides like the honor system, quote unquote one of the most important things you can do in a Klingon family is military service. That is, that is all these people are about. And I mean, it's just an integral part of their society and it provides opportunities for these warriors to die in battle. And I mean, if you're not, I mean, if you're not really trying to die in battle, and that's the whole point of what I said before about artists and doing other professions if you're not willing to, to do that, then, then are you even a Klingon in their eyes? The Klingon Empire is always kind of this expanding because they have this warrior mindset. So you definitely see that before the Kittimer Accords, that they're always kind of pressing and always expanding in a, in a Roman-like fashion. There's never a, a day off. After the Kittimore Accords, they kind of settle down and make peace with the Federation, and there's peace in the Alpha Quadrant. And so the famous line, there was never a word peace in the Klingon language until the Kittimer records. It was just the way it is. And I mean, there's a couple, I think episodes where Riker goes and kind of like, does like a swap, officer swap, and he goes on a Klingon ship and its discipline was strictly enforced. You could kill your superior or you could and take their place through promotion or somebody could kill you and take your job. So it's always this constant pressure and constant vigilance to be make sure you're not gonna die there's real no amenities on the ship they really only care about um glory and honor and, and doing that conquest of military service again very Spartanian in that way and i mean i know for me when i was watching those tng episodes it, it just seemed like chaos with Riker on the ship because people were killing other people and it just seems like there would always be this never, you can never have people at the bottom because the only way to get promoted is kill somebody. So I just felt like you would always have this super high turnover. But in fact, that can only be done under certain conditions. And it has to be a certain way. And it's only through a challenging and direct superior. And if the direct superior, of course, he's got to defend himself. But there is a there is a sense of duty behind it. So it's just not mad chaos on a ship. I don't want to give you that impression if you're not familiar with it. We talked about the family. We talked about kind of the society and and now we talked about the military service and the attitude behind that and some of the little nuances of the ship. Now we're going to go into something that could literally be a five-hour podcast. That could, I mean, there are hours and hours and hours of YouTube videos on this very subject. And for me, I don't want to overwhelm people. I don't want to get them in the thick of it. Now, I know that's how it kind of been my attitude the whole time with OPP is I don't want to give you six-hour podcast. Now, don't get me wrong. I love those sometimes. That's how I got um, Hardcore History, got into World War I, was listening to these like four or five-hour episodes at a time. And I don't want to do that. Now, I'm sure there's ways and people to do that. But, man, we got busy lives. You got busy lives. Let's just keep it simple and just have some fun. That's all we need to do here. Have some fun and give you the best content possible. Possibly. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, so we're going to go into the traditions and ritual. We're going to mention about five or six of them here and and again we get most of our data from tng and from ds9 and from morph and they use these rituals it's almost like a milestone in the klingon life so they they had their okay we're going to you're going to go in to be from you're going to become a man right of ascension okay you died this is what you do oh you want to overtake the chancellor this is what you do oh there's in putting a new chancellor and this is what you do. So they they have rituals written out for so many different occasions and so many different instances that it's kind of just wild. Um, But again, this is their culture and this is the traditions they have. And like I mentioned before, the most famous one is probably the rite of Ascension. And that's m- like most famous because it's in a great TNG episode called the Icarus factor. And, And we see Worf lamenting that he never got to go through his Rite of Ascension. And basically, as you walk down this aisle and there's these Klingons on these like above you and they have pain sticks and then you just stab you with pain sticks. (laughs) And a pain stick is exactly what it sounds like. It's a stick that causes pain (laughs) and you just walk through it. And if you make it through, you're recognized as a Klingon adult. And that's one of the most famous ones because it's supposed to transition you from a child into a man and a, and a true warrior. And another big ritual is the rite of succession. They start off with a lot of right of. But the right of succession, which we see Jean-Luc Picard do, and that's with, in the case of Gal Ron and him being the arbiter of succession because the future leader of the Klingon empire had to be decided. And so they picked Picard because he was this kind of this third party unbiased and it was very right. So, and that scene in the TNG episode reunion, which is really good. I'm not going to go into all the specifics of it. It's really good. Like it's just kind of a, almost reminds me of a papal right of succession, how they do it and have to confirm the previous, um, leader died. And now they have to uh, move on from that. And actually, fun fact, I know this has nothing to do with Star Trek, but do you know, they actually take a silver mallet. When the Pope dies, they take it and they tap it on his head three times and ask him each time, are you dead? And it's something that's been done for thousands of years, but yeah. So, um, I never thought I'd make that connection. Papal, rites and traditions and Klingons, but here we are. The year's 2020, crazier things have happened. So, like I mentioned before, early in the episode with General Martok and Worf, Martok actually welcomed Worf into his family because it was kind of this thing where we want you to be a part of it, and we love you, and we think of you as a son, and it's through the act of Rastari? And it symbolically like marks them as part of the family. And so I thought that was really cool. It's a great relationship between Martok and, and Worf. And if you don't know, that's in DS9. In the later episodes, as they ramp up on the Dominion War. I think the episodes are Sons of Mo, Soldiers of Empire, and Sons and Daughters in DS9. So it happens a lot. Moving on from another one, because I guess that's a good idea. Because like I mentioned before, with those that Darwinism thing where it's like, well, maybe they were trying to get rid of houses. If maybe you're part of a dishonored house, but you're the second or third lineage, you really have nothing to do with it. You can be brought into a new house. So maybe it's not all end all be all when your dad or grandpa screws up. Maybe now you have like a little bit of an out, but you have to have somebody come bail you out pretty much. So moving on to the right of vengeance, which sounds awesome. <laughs> this allowed Klingons to seek and read debt and like kind of revenge for the deaths of their family members. And they do this in like single combat. I mean, the right was so important and this was one of the most crazy things to me. It was so important that even the like discommended, the people that were kind of excommunicated could claim it against important people. Like even the high chancellor or people on the council. And I mean, this even happened in TNG episode reunion again, where discommented Worf challenged Doros for the title of chancellor. So yeah, we, we see this again, another out for people to kind of reclaim because that's exactly what happened to Worf. He took him for the team and he knew he had to make it right. He used the right of vengeance for Doras family coming against Moog. And yeah, it worked out for him in that case. <laughs> Another one, a very controversial episode of TNG is aptly named Ethics <laughs> because Worf is kind of hanging out, clamoring around in the cargo bay and these giant blue barrels fall on him. Now, if you've watched Breaking Bad, it's not what you think, blue barrels, but these giant blue barrels fall on him, and it kind of paralyzes them from, I think, the neck down. And he asks riker to to kill him to be because he's like there's no point in a klingon living this way and in this manner and it's i think it's called the hypot hypot i have not been doing my delingo klingon i mean that was a right for that ritual suicide and then you get into quality of life and this is when star trek gets so great is that it's a lens and it's a comment on our society and so it kind of brought that up with assisted suicide and this was probably about the early 90s. So that issue was still very new and hot and it was still, still a controversial issue to this day, but it's kind of rephrased it and it made you look at it a different perspective. So that is a right that Klingons have, which is wild. But again, you have to think they're all about conquering and and having glory and doing all this crazy stuff. So if you can't do that, what's the point of living? Um, like I said, you could go into super depth and they're very symbolic and people have expounded the 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 lore and the, and the fan fictions about them. And I just want to give you the cliff notes because do you know what? That, now you can enjoy TNG a little bit better, baby. Now you can be like, oh, I know what that is. OPP, the man of the Federation taught me. <laughs> so now we're going to get to everyone's favorite subject. Sex. <laughs> Klingon mating. hopefully you brought your football helmets and pads because it's going to get rough. Wow, that took exceptionally hard left <laughs> from the previous subject. Anyway, um, yes, Klingons are very aggressive in their mating, and they kind of growl at each other in a way like. Rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> and when when they choose a mate, it is traditional for the female on to bite the man's face <laughs> and it allows her to taste his blood and then like get his scent and males were actually known to bite the face of a female they were interested in and we see that in Voyager a lot with B'Elanna Taurus and Tom Paris so it's just the fact that they're biting the face is just, just what I can't get over <laughs> to be like is that that's the form of flirting so you're like hey You look pretty good. Let me bite your face. (laughs) Not a big fan of that. When in Rome. (laughs) Anyway, it's the the rumor and and the thinking is that this face biting, again, things I thought I would never say, stems from like a more primitive time in Klingon evolution where kind of made it through into the modern Klingon world in the 24th century and we're going to have some uh, little little commentary from Worf talking to Wesley Crasher about Klingon mating rituals and and he can expound on that that is how the Klingon lures a mate are you telling me to go yell at Celia? no men do not roar, women roar and they hurl heavy objects and claw at you what does the man do? He reads love poetry. He ducks a lot. Me too, brother. Me too. <laughs> just kidding. Wow. And then going on to inner species, as we see with Jadzia Dax, who is a Trill, and then Worf on DS9 when they get married, is like they always have this impression that she has bruised ribs and it just feels like they just beat the snot out of each other during when they mate when they and so it's just i don't again whatever teaches own not here to judge anybody but yeah that just seems like to me not something super fun anyway (laughs) um try to keep it as pg as i can i know some some people have kids in the car i didn't want to go down down a rabbit hole too much there anyway um that's been our episode two on klingon and let's roll it out So, we are currently in our middle of the pack episode on Klingon culture and Klingons in general. And we have one more coming up, coming down the pike, probably released um, early November. I mean, this could easily have been like a five, six, seven part episode um, series, but I just didn't want to go all down those rabbit holes. Maybe I'll return to it in the future. Um, Never say never. But for right now, it's just like I want to provide the kind of new facts and some fun things to think about but also not overwhelm you, you know, because nobody needs that in their life right now. (laughs) Just a quick reminder. We're going to be wrapping up our lower decks season one review with episodes eight through 10, just quick cliff notes. I loved it. I thought the last five minutes of it were the best of the whole season. Super cool. Um, freaking loved it. And if you know, you know, (laughs) again, you can always follow us on Instagram at Omega particle podcast and on Twitter at Omega Particle underscore. And again, I've, I've been reached out a few times over the past few weeks, and my wife kind of, kind of explained what this site was because I was unfamiliar with it. Is, is it called Patreon? Patreon Luna? Um, a couple people have been asking, hey, are you doing this? Would you, would you want to do this? And I know some other Trek podcasts come out there, and I know, for example, Delta Flyers, has one and they and they keep a lot of good content behind the paywall. I, I'm just I'm just not going to do that. I don't I don't want to have this thing paywall keeping beside us. And I mean to be honest, you you make these Patreon accounts just to make money. And I'm not in this to make money. Um and if I was, I would do ads. <laughs> I would not do this special club and I make $4 a month from it. You know, like to me it's it's that kind of ruins the hobby of it to me is like, no, it's you do it for the love of it. You know, my man, you do it for the love, not for the money. Now I'm saying it, it advertises. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> Eddie, uh, just kidding. But seriously, uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to keep it free all the time and forevermore. Definitely don't want to keep you guys from great, great content or keep you guys from the doctor of the in any way, shape or form. Anyway, um, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. And always remember, second stone of the right, straight on till morning.